0: we have been in this series that we've just called Christian Conduct. But rather than looking at an entire overview of like, you know, what is everything that God's word tells us about how we should behave as believers, we could have called it that, right? The behavior of believers. But rather than that, we've just been focused on two verses. And they're found in the first two verses of Titus chapter 3. And it's where the Apostle Paul is talking to um, a friend of his, a younger leader, someone that he is mentoring, like how to be uh, a good pastor, how to be someone who actually knows how to kind of shepherd people in the ways of the Lord. And how many of you recognize that the way our lives used to be, our conduct was really different, right? We'll, We'll be looking at a little bit of that today, but it's like that we did what we wanted to do. We lived for ourselves. We were number one, right, in our lives. But here, we're being taught that there is a new way to live. There is a new conduct that we can take on in our lives. And so, if you'd read along with me, Titus 3, 1 and 2. We'll put it up on the screen. And this is what Paul wrote to Titus. He said, remind the people to be subject to rulers and authorities, to be obedient, to be ready to do whatever is good, to slander no one, to be peaceable and considerate, and always to be gentle toward everyone. And what we've been doing in this series is we've been working backwards through these ideas. So, we started off with what we called Christian Conduct 2.0, which was verse 2, where we're told in what we just read there um, to Titus, is it says that, well, we're not to slander, right? As believers, we're, our behavior is not to include slandering others. But then it goes on, it says we're to be peaceable, we're to be considerate of others, and that we're always to be gentle toward everyone, it says. So then, we came back and last week, we talked about the middle idea, we called it Christian Conduct 1.5, and it's where it really simply says that we are to be ready to do whatever is good. And I, I gotta tell you, that message ministered so much to me and I, I hope it did to you as well. If you missed that, man, I hope you go back to last week's message. You can find it on our YouTube channel or if you go over to our church website, you can find the podcast there as well. But that idea of doing good, we found is ab- absolutely central to what it means to be a follower of Jesus. That idea of doing good. We, we, we read and we realized we were saved for this, to do good. And we were made for this. We were made for this. We were saved for this of doing good. And it is, it's like right at the core of this idea of Christian conduct. But now the reason we have been going backwards is because now we're getting to a part that's actually verse one. And I think for us, maybe particularly as Americans, that this idea that we're confronted here in verse one is challenging. In fact, it's so challenging and it's such a comprehensive conversation that I'm actually breaking our conversation today into two parts. So we're gonna have, this is Christian conduct 1A, okay? And then next week, we're gonna come back to Christian conduct 1B. And it has to do with being subject to rulers and authorities and being obedient in our lives. This is challenging, as I said. I think a lot of grace is needed. That you would have grace for me as I attempt to bring you what God's word says about these important topics. And you'd have grace for yourselves in this as well, that like, man, we're all journeying together. But before we dive in, I, I just like invite us to, to pray and, and ask for God's grace to be upon us in these two important conversations starting this week and, and concluding next week. Would you pray with me and, and pray for yourselves as well? God, we come to your word today with humility. We come to your word today, Lord, as learners. Lord, would you give us a fresh perspective on what your word teaches? Lord, that we would be further transformed, Lord, into your people that look more and more like you. So Jesus, would you help us? Would you give us all the grace that we need? Give me grace, Lord, as I communicate, Lord, what I see in your word. Give us all grace, Lord, to hear. And let us just position ourselves, Lord, at your feet today and learn from you. Our humble servant, God, in Jesus' name, amen. So, Titus 3, 1, let's just put that up back on the screen, and it says this, says, remind the people to be subject to rulers and authorities, to be obedient. Now, this sentence right here does not give, like, everything that the Bible has to say about these topics. I'll tell you, we could uh, just take this teaching and go through from scripture to scripture to scripture to scripture because there are multiple places that talk about the spirit of obedience and coming under those in authority. It's, it's a, a repeated uh, theme right through the New Testament and um, in particular, you can go and do further homework because it is in Romans chapter 13 and 1 Peter chapter 12. Two, where there's actually like deeper dives into this particular topic. But we're not going so much to those passages today. We're just staying with what it says right here because what it says right here is in kind of in an encapsulated form. Kind of like in a little nutshell, it's what we read in those other places, but it says it very simply and in very few words, so it's hard to misunderstand. And it's hard to kind of like insert our own ideas into this because it's like, hey, remind everyone. We're to be subject to rulers and authorities and obedient. As followers of Jesus, our conduct is to be marked by these things. Now listen, we probably all have a really good idea of what obedience is. Right? If I was just to, you know, take a microphone around, what does it mean to obey? What does it mean to not obey? We'd probably all have a really kind of a clear idea. You'd probably have some really good illustrations. I think the word that is a little bit more challenging for us to wrap our brains around is this word being subject to. What does it mean to be subject to rulers and authorities? That that word sounds even maybe a little bit more controversial. I think maybe I can obey, but be subject to others? be subject to rulers and authority? What does that word subject mean? Well, I want you to think about the prefix to that word, subject. Okay, it's the word or the prefix sub, sub. And I think probably for me, the, the best illustration that I could come up with was for us to now think about a submarine. A submarine. Submarines are not intended to function above the water, they are designed, they were built, they were constructed and designed with the intent that they would function under the sea. Under the sea. So that's, that's the, this idea. The, that prefix sub means under. Right? If you've ever served on a subcommittee of any kind, right? It wasn't the the main committee. It was serving under that committee. Maybe you had to hire a contractor at your house to do some work, right? Ken's wanting to get on that project right now. Well, that contractor may not do all the work personally. That contractor may hire a subcontractor to do part of it. But they're working under the authority and the oversight of That contractor, that's that idea of sub. It simply means, when it says to be subject to rulers and authorities, it literally means come under them. Live life under the authority that is there. And we read in Romans 13 that that it has actually been appointed by God because it's there where we read that all authority is from God himself. You know, people think they earn their way into those positions or maybe they stole it, right? Like I'm just going to like take that. No, no, no. Romans 13 kind of destroys that notion that we are the ones who are stepping into these roles of authority. It's actually God who places all authority. And it says that when we rebel, when we come instead of being under that authority, when we do this, right? And when we try to, like, take authority and come over those people, it says we're actually not acting in rebellion towards them, to that authority. We're actually being rebellious towards God himself. Yikes. And all the kids who are still living at home under the authority of your parents. It's like you're puckering up a little bit right now. You know what I mean? It's like, whoa. It's like when I rebel against my mom and dad and their authority, I'm not as rebelling against my parents, I'm actually rebelling against God Himself. Woo. A little heavy. You get getting a little quiet in here. Because our minds start racing about like wow, who are those who are in authority over me? It's not only governmental leaders, it's all people who are in authority. Hmm, how do I come under? See, and, and, and Paul immediately ties those ideas of being subject to rulers and authorities then immediately with obedience. Like I said, we, we typically know what obedience looks like and when it's absent, but he ties these ideas together because the kind of obedience that God is anticipating from his people is not some kind of rebellious Compliance. Yeah, you've ever ever been there? It's like, I'm going to do what you say, but I ain't going to like it. I'm going to do what you say, but it may be accompanied by a one finger salute. You know what I'm saying? It's like, you know, it's like that little girl, the mom said, you know, sit down. The girl sits down, says, I may be sitting on the outside but I'm standing on the inside. Right? Hey, we've all been there. That's not what is being talked about here. Where we're just rebelliously compliant. But that there's something of a heart change where we realize that actually we were designed, created to live under the authority, not only of God, but of those who are in authority over us. But let's be honest. For most of us, this is really hard, really, really challenging. And I think for many of us, especially those who embrace the fact that I am an American, this is really tough. This is very, very challenging because we know that we are free to do as we please. In fact, I have a constitutional right to pursue happiness the way I want to. And we have been weaned as Americans, you know, on the whole idea that we live under the banner, you know, like, live free or die, Give me liberty or give me death, right? And it's like ingrained into us is this spirit of independence, and that, like, my personal freedom sounds like it could be coming into jeopardy when it talks about how God is saying that we are to come under, to be subject to the authority of rulers and authorities in our lives. So it's very very challenging. And it also raises I think some important questions that we have to deal with. And that is okay, is this coming under and being obedient? Is that an ironclad rule god? Yeah, like we're immediately wanting to find the exceptions. When do I not have to do that? And maybe even as a believer when Shouldn't I do that? Well, if you're interested in those topics, come back next week because that's where we're headed next week into those conversations about when as a follower of Jesus do I, have, do, I, do I follow God rather than a human leader? It's an important conversation. But before we can get to that, we need to deal really, I think, a bit more deeply with what does it mean to to God, that we would be subject to the rulers and authorities and learn that spirit of obedience. I believe that a really helpful parallel to this topic of obedience is to come under uh, the understanding of what Scripture tells us about our citizenship. I think there are parallel ideas, especially when it comes to thinking about, like, the leaders over our land. It's in Philippians that Paul is having another conversation um, with a group of friends there that are they're in the church in Philippi, and he talks about this idea. So I want you to jump with me over to Philippians 3, verses 18 through 20. And Paul writes and he says, there are many whose conduct shows they are really enemies of the cross of Christ. If you got your Bible, like, underline the word conduct, because that's what we're talking about, right? Christian conduct. Well, Paul is saying, hey, there's a whole other kind of conduct that people are living with, that their their behaviors... And their behaviors, their conduct is actually saying that they are standing in opposition to Jesus. They are living as enemies of the cross of Christ. So there's a whole different kind of conduct. Then he goes on and says, they are headed for destruction. Their God is their appetite. They brag about shameful things, And this is an important line here, and they think only about this life here on earth. But then he goes on, but we are citizens of heaven where the Lord Jesus Christ lives. And we are eagerly waiting for him to return as our savior. So listen, there's different conduct of those who have not come into this citizenship of heaven. And it says that they are living for themselves. But you and I, all of us who have put our trust in Jesus, guess what? We have become citizens of heaven. And that changes everything. Because when I put my trust in him, I am declaring, Jesus, you are my Lord you are over everything and ultimately God I answer to you Now this passage starts out like I said by you know where it said you know there are many whose conduct shows they are really enemies of the cross They're fighting their their behaviors their conduct is actually fighting against the very things of God It says they live for themselves their god is their appetite and all they can think about is life here on earth. Their conduct is not being shaped by obedience or coming under authority because what they view, what what they're doing is they are viewing authority as the obstacle to get what they really want. Do you see the difference? People who... Are, it says their conduct is actually fighting against God, they, instead of coming under authority, they're viewing the authority as the obstacle, the one to be kind of fought against because you are trying to keep me from living the life I want to live, said every teenager who ever lived, right? It's their parents and other authorities. It's like that, that there, there's that fighting, that like, I want to be in charge of my own life, it says their God is their appetite, meaning like man, whatever I'm hungry for, that's what I'm going after. And it says they only think about life here on earth. They're not thinking about long term consequences. They're not obviously thinking about eternal consequences for their behaviors. They just want what they want, and they want it now. It's like YOLO, baby. You only live once, so get what you can when you can, and do not let anyone slow you down. No authority, no parent, no cop, no government official, no pastor. I'm not gonna let any of those people like get in my way because I'm gonna get what I can, when I can, and any authority structure that tries to stop me, I'm just gonna fight against it. But guess what? Scripture says that our mindset and our conduct should be the opposite of that that's it's not YOLO it's actually you you really live twice and so guess what we get to live to give all we can when we can because we answer to the lord and so we come under his authority Very, very different approach on life. And then it's Peter who picks up on this same theme of our citizenship when he says in 1 Peter 2.11, he says this. He says, dear friends, I warn you as temporary residents and foreigners, to keep away from worldly desires that wage war against your very souls. Now, this is this is interesting, it's, and it's it's such a great analogy because he's talking about citizenship here again, but he calls us temporary residents and foreigners, and it's like, Yes, I am a citizen of heaven, and understand that. As long as I'm on earth, I am a foreigner here. I'm called to live accordingly. As a foreigner in this land. Have you ever been a foreigner? Have you ever traveled internationally and had to follow the rules of the land of where you traveled? Now, when I was growing up, I lived for a full year on the island nation or islands nation of New Zealand, where, in my estimation, they drive on the wrong side of the road. I'm an American. I know we drive on the right side of the road, they drive on the wrong side of the road. Someday I'd love to take Cali. It was before we'd met that I lived there. And I'd love to tell you it's such a beautiful land. But I'll tell you, if I went back and said, I'm an American, I'm going to drive on the right side of the road. Well, not only would I probably cause great bodily harm to those around me, maybe myself, but I would also be arrested very quickly. And you know what those Kiwi cops (laughs) would say? To me, we don't care where you're from, mate. We're Kiwis, and these are our rules. Oh, see, because I'm a foreigner if I go to New Zealand. I have to abide by the rules that were established there for their people according to how they have organized life. Well, in much the same way, and I hope you're catching this, that what the Bible says is that actually I am now a citizen of heaven. My passport now says the kingdom of God and it's only a stamp in my passport that says USA. That's really different because if I view myself primarily as an American and I'm going to fight for my right to party. (laughs) Listen, then I am actually, as we read, I am fighting against and working in opposition to the kingdom of God. But when I understand that my citizenship has changed, that I exchanged my American passport for a kingdom of God passport, that I am a citizen of heaven. That is my primary identity because Jesus paid the price for that. Listen, I'm I'm not talking like, I, I hope you don't feel that I'm talking down on America. I'm not at all. I love America. But Jesus paid a very, very high price That I would be able to move from this status of just living for myself and living for today with no thought of tomorrow and no thought of eternity and Jesus died. That I might live, that I might live eternally with him. And the exchange in my mind is an easy one. It doesn't, it's not, I don't cease being an American, but my primary identity comes from that exchange, that exchange of passports. And as long as I am alive on this earth, what I now understand is that I'm a foreigner here. I'm a temporary resident, and so I'm called to follow the rules of this land that are established, and I know some are like, well, pastor, but, but every rule, every law, every, there's weird things happening in our country and things that I disagree with. And some things I look at and I think, man, the, some of the things that are happening here are, are yeah, we're gonna get to that next week. But the spirit of what God's word says, and it says this repeatedly and consistently and like in ways that we cannot avoid that the conduct that we're to have as believers, the spirit in which we're to live our lives is that we were designed by God to live under authority. Not in rebellious compliance, but with the spirit of humility. And that my obedience reflects the very spirit of Christ. I don't want you to miss what I believe is a very critical point, something for us to really wrestle with, and I think it's really easy for us to forget. And that's this, the Bible was not written for Americans. The Bible was written for all people at all times as an invitation to switch our citizenship and become God's people. Not American Christians, not Mexican Christians, not Chinese Christians, but just Christians. This is so easy for us to forget because I think what we tend to do, and this is very human, it's very normal, it's very natural, And that is that we tend to what I would call hyper-contextualize our faith. Hyper-contextualize. Now listen, the context of our lives is very important with how we live our lives, right? Because we live in our home, in our city. You know, we answer to our boss. Uh, We, you know, live under the rules. So we we tend to like hyper-contextualize and we think about our lives and our faith through the lens of our experience. And for most of us in this room, that's an American experience. Can I say this for good or for bad? If you've had a really good American experience, that really shapes your, or tends to really shape your outlook on faith and even our conduct as Americans, American Christians. If you've had a very poor life experience as an American, that also contend to really shape how we look at these things and what our faith should be like and what our conduct should be like. But what I wanna remind us is that scripture was not given just to Americans, but it's global, it's universal to this call to humanity. That not only can we switch our citizenship, but our conduct has the ability to be reshaped and reformed as we learn in whatever context we're in, to find ways to live under the rulers and authorities that God has placed us in. And this is really important because whatever I preach, from this pulpit in Santa Maria, California, I should also be able to preach the exact same message in Santo Domingo, Dominicana Republica, right? From Santa Maria to Santo Domingo, to Santiago, to Shanghai, to Saudi Arabia and all the other places that start with S. Like the message of God should not change or like, well, we're Americans. So we're gonna like bristle under this idea of coming under anyone because our constitution says that we can do this and that. Well, mm -hmm, okay, that's good. But where is our primary identity? And what does this word mean to those who are living under totalitarian regimes? What would this passage mean to somebody who is living in China where churches as well as other religious groups are regularly oppressed, so oppressed? What would this mean for someone living in North Korea under just extraordinary, terrible conditions and oppression? might God have something that is universal in this? That our conduct is actually shaped by the gospel and that somehow there is this grace transformation that is available to me no matter where I live around this world, no matter who the rulers and authorities are that happen to be over me in this moment, but that I take on this new understanding that there is this God call on his citizens to learn a spirit of obedience that reflects the way Jesus himself lived on earth. Because listen, we don't have to dig very deep to discover that Jesus lived, ministered, and died in an a part of an oppressed people. He understood that this message was for all of humanity and that many would be living under various forms of oppression. Might we in America, at some point in our future, live under greater oppression, greater totalitarianism, whether it comes from the left or the right? Is that possible? Yes, and all indications over the last decades have shown, not just the past year or two, have shown that it's entirely possible. So we need to bury this word deep in our hearts and our understanding. Because our reality in America could change. So we need to understand that God is calling us to a new way of living to a way that is marked by obedient submission, being subject to the rulers and authorities that are over us. And next week we'll talk about, are there times that we have to stand and go in a different direction? The answer is yes, we're gonna see that. That's a spoiler alert, sorry. (laughs) There are times. But even when we do that, What we'll see next week is that it does not change this. That we're still to be committed to doing good, to not slandering, to being peaceable, to being considerate of the other, and to be gentle toward everyone. How does that work? Oh man, that's grace. I just want to finish with a couple of thoughts that I think are very important to tag on at the end of this message before we conclude. Number one, I want to recognize the fact that all those who God has placed in authority have not used their authority in helpful, God-honoring ways, or in any kind of service to those people they were called to serve. There are many, many people probably bunches that are here or watching or listening online that have suffered the abuse of those in authority who took their position and actually undermined and hurt the people who were under them rather than using their position to elevate and lift and encourage and support and resource those as God would intend. And if you are someone who has suffered the abuse of authority, man, this message is in no way saying that we are to somehow submit ourselves to further abuse. And my prayer is that God would bring full healing, full restoration, complete healing to your life and to your story. And as a pastor, someone who walks in a position of some authority, I apologize and I, on behalf of other leaders, ask for forgiveness. Some in the room may have been hurt by other pastors. I am so sorry that not everyone gets it right. And guess what, I've not always gotten it right. If I've hurt you, I'm so sorry. Let me know so I can make it right. The other thing that I want to say is that nothing that I have said today is to take away the civic duty that we have as we do live here as Americans. That God has somehow, by saying that we're citizens of heaven, does not take away our civic responsibility to do everything that we can in our lives, wherever we happen to live to do the other things that it said in that scripture, primarily to do good, to work on behalf of those who need justice, to work on behalf of those who are under-resourced and are hurting, to work on behalf of the widow and the orphan, as scripture commands us, and the immigrant. God calls us to be people who take, those civic responsibilities very seriously. So church, work towards it and vote. Run for office. We'll pray for you. In fact, what a great reminder to pray for those that God has placed as rulers and authorities over us. So none of this is to say that we are to somehow shirk our Civic responsibilities, even though we would recognize from scripture that our primary identity is a citizen of heaven. More next week. I'm already looking forward to diving into that conversation, and it's really important in the day and age in which we live. And it's really important for those who may be watching online from countries and regions that are under a great deal more oppression and so oppression than we are today. We thank God for the freedoms that we have to preach like this, to live like this for Jesus as citizens of heaven, amen? Church family, you are loved.